Hagas 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 Blessings, blessings, blessings in kombucha upon your polyamorous camper van. It's me, your namaste bag, your namaste bag. I was just setting my intentions for the new moon. I was uh, snorting some San Pedro into my eyeballs. I was just reflecting at the waterfall of reflection and my inner child appeared to me and embraced me. And now the San Pedro has worn off and he's gone. And I miss him, miss him, miss him. Namaste means her. Skulk a side note here and welcome to another episode of Your Mom with Skulk. And if you haven't already guessed it, today we are chatting to Rob Van Vieren, aka Namaste Bay, and his wonderful mother, Tani Judy. Enjoy! sitting here with Rob van Vieren and his mom, Tani Judy. Tani Judy. Mm. And Rob, as you know, this podcast, you talk very little. Yeah, very little. You talk always in interviews. It's always about you. Yeah. This is about Tani Judy. I'm so happy about that. Well, hell. Okay. But before we start, I just have to address something because means uh, like, obviously, Rob, everyone knows you, but now like... There's been a big, your Instagram has just exploded. Namaste, bae. Namaste, bae. It's gone absolutely bananas. It's crazy. Because I've been, I've been, because the, in lockdown, it was crazy for me, like when I was doing my feeling good, feeling positive videos to, yeah. it, it is a mindfuck to get 2000 followers in a day. Yeah. And I've been going onto your profile every day and it's, it's been that, that from, kind of growth. Yeah, from the second I posted the first one and it was completely on a whim. That has like two million is, views now. It nearly, I think it's yeah. just a, a one and a half million. It's yes, crazy. Dude, I, I don't understand. It, it, it. Now I'm just like, oh, fuck, I have to bless everything with kombucha. I've got to think of <laughs> <laughs> more things to bless. And now you're doing it every day, the namaste, bae. I'm trying to, I, I, I'm trying to just put out, yeah, put out at least one a day and see if I can sustain that over the summer and then and then I mean I don't think I'll be able to maintain that forever and then uh, I'm planning a show I think it's definitely got to be a show maybe even a TV show yeah got some ideas that I want to try and expand on it see where it goes I mean at the moment I'm just like watching it going what is going on the first one what was it just you walking on the beach? Because th those are normally how it happens. Like some of my, my, my best material was literally just like driving in the car, thinking of it. Oh, okay, that's quite funny. Go that night, do it on stage at a club gig. And then it's like... Yeah. 
I, I the character kind of popped out a couple of weeks back when I was um, trying to promote my one man show at the Cook Bay Theatre, um. and. I was like, oh, the, the voice came to me and I had to like, sell tickets because part of the show deals with like doing ayahuasca and alternative healing modalities, you know. Um, and I did it once and it felt cool and then I forgot about it. And then a couple of weeks later, I went to my favorite swimming spot and there was this like, little cave area, which I've now called the Penguin Cave of Design. <laughs> and there was a used um, pad in in this little spot. And it was a used Pad, like a tampon pad. Yes. Well, a tampon and a pad's different. Yeah. I know that. But um, you're in the right ballpark, Skalk. You know, we're it's in a the vaginal right pad. It is this a bloody pad sitting in my little cave, and I and that just made me go. I've got to film something about this. And then I did the voice again, and it immediately went viral. Yeah, and then I did another one on my walk back because I was like, oh, yeah, this this feels comfortable. I, and are people are people seeing you now going Namaste Bay Namaste Bay yeah, yeah. Yes, yes like I'm so relieved I thought it was Namaste Lay <laughs> so <laughs> just Namaste Bay Namaste Bay what does that mean Bay is like um, it's slang for like it became like instead of baby you're like you're my bay I love yeah you just my bay not my baby like an educational program. Yeah, ask, ask your granddaughter. She'll explain all this slang. But I, I actually talk in my new show. It's called Keeping Up because I, that's where I'm at now, age-wise, is I can't keep up anymore with all the slang. And Can you imagine how I feel? But I think at your age, Tony Judy, you just don't try anymore. Yeah. You just, you know what you know. I think you're saying it doesn't matter. It yeah. just doesn't matter anymore. I'm so relieved. You know what you know and you stick to it. And... You don't need to, if you've gotten this far, then... That's it. I made it this far. You're still struggling with that desire to want to understand and keep yeah, up. Yeah, I, I still want to be, like, also because we're comics, I want to be, like, relevant with young people. I don't want eventually, like, I'm already getting kids coming to me saying, like, my mom loves you. <laughs> and then I'm like, what about you? you like, young and... the best of us, Skalki. You're, like, young and cool. Why don't you love me as well? No, no, no. And then they're like, my mom watches you all the time on Facebook. I'm like, then what are you doing while she's watching me? No, I'm, I'm watching TikTok or whatever. I'm like, ah. Anyway, okay. Rob, enough about you. I just needed to talk Thank about you. that because that's Thanks. crazy. That's great. But, um, <laughs> Danny Debbie. No, Akis Judy, ni Debbie ni. Oh, fuck, sorry. I don't know who the hell Debbie was. No, but it's not me. It was another. It was another older woman in my life. <laughs> I'm sorry. Older? I think it older was me. You mean? I, I've done. I've done a few of these episodes now in a week, and there was. I don't know who Tani Debbie was. Sorry, Tani Debbie, if you're listening to this, but it was someone else's mom. Sorry, Tani Judy. Yeah. Um, and I'm gonna leave that in. <laughs> I'm not gonna edit out that mistake of mine, so, mom's so that I that I will. Didn't invite me to his wedding, and he got your it. name wrong. Yeah, I will own it. So means a tiny Judy, not Debbie, Judy. Say it with me together, not Debbie, Judy. Tiny Judy had three kids and Rob was the eldest. And not the tallest, but the eldest. And they moved around a bit when Rob was a kid living in PE, KZN, and finally a little farm outside of East London. Now, because out there in the sticks, there was no drama school for Rob to attend, Rob had to create his own drama. And it mostly involved giving his younger brother some cock. Literally.
How would he bully them? What do you mean? Like mean bullying? I can't even begin to tell you those things. Tell me one example. I'll tell you the big, I can't tell you some of them. I think you can. I, I think don't that's think the I can. Of it. I think you should tell Skok the cow poo story. He used to do terrible things like that. He threw cow poo at his brother and sister. <laughs> they were like living in a saw movie with <laughs> Rob, is, Rob is jigsaw, just like, I want to play a game. <laughs> picking up, picking up cow shit. <laughs> there was one part of the tree that um, you had to access via a ladder. And he, my brother went up and I took the ladder away. And, and then there was all sorts of, there was a lot of cow shit and horse shit lying around, which I then threw at him. And then you found out and you came out and you were furious and you, you made me put up the ladder and Gary came down and you sent me up and took the ladder and then he had, he could have free throws you at see. me. <laughs> God's truth. I don't remember these things. You don't remember that? No. You sent okay, me up the ladder. Okay, Gary, now you throw shit at your brother. Totally. Now you, you made me shit. strip to my scans and I went up and then... Yeah, you said you, said you were a naughty bugger. I forgot for about naughty <laughs> And he missed every single I time. I wish I could put you in time. And you were probably taunting him from miss, 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 which is even like the bullying just continues. He did. He was. And the big thing was him and his brother, they're two and a half years apart. It's Robbie, Gary and Dale. Dale is the youngest daughter. Yeah. And they used to play rugby and build rafts and build tree houses. And poor Dale would sit there. And the big thing was, and she, nobody wants to play with me. So I'd say, play with your sister. And they... They'd play a bit and then they'd get bored with her. And the one day, one day, they went down to the dam and they made a raft. And they went off from the raft into the middle of the dam and the bloody thing sank. And Dale stood on the edge of the dam laughing like mad. Call mommy, the boys were saying. Call mommy. She said, <laughs> she just watched them and laughed. So she got to bit back. But it was, he was a very protective older brother. As, as well as throwing the what, cow. What do your other kids do now? Are they like in an institution or? <laughs> shame in the out, you know. <laughs> it's all my fault. It's all Rob's fault. Traumatized them, and you know, like I mean, people like Rob obviously get asked in interviews all the time. You know, like um, when when did you know you were funny, or when did you know like performance was? But normally. The artist remembers it later than the mother. So when when did you kind of get a feeling that like this child of mine can maybe be a performer one day? You know, it was a Robbie has always known, which I, I think he's very blessed. He's always known he wanted to be on the stage. Mm. I used to get quite embarrassed. He was this little picky and they'd say, what do you want to do when you're big? And he'd say, I want to be an actor. And I would die of embarrassment. Why were you embarrassed? What the hell? Why not a doctor or a lawyer? Where, or a fireman even? But an, <laughs> a fireman even? Yes. <laughs> even a fireman. And you know, I'd try and, when they'd say to Rob, what do you want? I'd try and move him out the way so that he would. And as he grew older and... That's brilliant. We spent lot, many years at Graham Sound Festival and mm. grew to love it even more. And I'll never forget when, the, when it hit home that this is really my son's passion. He was in matric and at matric he wrote drama as an extra subject. Yeah. And it's it almost like a bloody thesis they have to do in matric. Yes. And in those days, there were no computers in every home. Yeah. And I went to my husband's office over the weekend to type up his longhand written thing that he'd done. And the whole thing was about dreams, not sleeping dreams, but man's aspirations. Dreams. Okay. And in there, I called to my hell. 
Do you remember this, Rob? I remember he, the, the thing that the... He, know, the he, wrote, he wrote there, and suddenly the truth hit home. It says, the worst sin that any man can commit is not to pursue his dream. Jeez, I've got goosebumps. And... At matric. Yes. And it, but, but he's been saying he wants to be an actor long before then, but this was in this flippin' thesis. The worst oh, sin... Any man is not to piss. To not I think it's, that's people say there's probably worse sins. Let's be honest. No, but this is what I'm not saying. This murder. is what you said when you were 16 years old. The murder's up there, definitely. Yeah, and he said, you don't have to succeed at your dream, but you have to try. You have to try. That is yeah. the worst sin of all. And I stopped and I read that. Oh my God, this child's got to be an actor. It's what he wants to do. I can't. I, then I'll be committing the worst. I had no idea that it was because uh, you were so supportive throughout. I yeah, never had an idea that you were but, like, oh, but, but before, oh God. before that even was was Rob sort of always the star of the school play or was there no, plays? He, or? There was plays, but he was never the, necessarily the star. We used to do a lot of nativity plays growing up. Yes, and that's it also was a family tradition. The kids have to do a play on Christmas Eve, whether it's nativity or Scrooge. Well, or just in your in your household. In our yeah. household, uh, okay. We always used to have friends that came, drove from all over to come and spend Christmas. The three of them, or all the cousins, them, the cousins, the, the friends, the whole yeah. collective. The wise man, Joseph, yeah, everyone. And um, that's and Robbie always loved that. I would write the plays and rap. Well, rats, what do you mean? Songs. What do you mean? Write the plays. I mean the story is no, already. We would, we would adapt it. We would do. We would do <laughs> our the hip hop birds. Totally, like Fresh Prince of Bel Air, Matilda We had my sister gave birth to Jesus the one time. Yes, it was very graphic. It was wow. Yeah. Joseph rapping. You directed that one. I directed that one. The audience was shocked. We had to have an age restriction. <laughs> no, that's not true. No, that's not true. It <laughs> was always very sweet. But there was there was also at Lily Fontaine. I did that. I did Tom Sawyer. Yes. And I had a tiny little part in that. But I, I, I that was important to you. Yeah. And then I was cast as the Artful Dodger in the next year's production um, of Oliver Twist. Yes. And then we moved, moved to Maritzburg. And that broke you. Broke me. No, he was also a boy, boy and the we best, moved halfway through the year. The best part I've never played was meant for me. The Artful Dodger. Imagine me as the Artful Dodger, dude. It would be... Do you even know what the Artful Dodger is? No, I can no. see from your eyes. You have no idea what I'm No, I, I, I'm not a big Oliver Twist fa yeah. fan. No. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> you missed out on so much. <laughs> so, as did I. I missed out on the Artful Dodger. Okay, well... I, I'll ask Neil, who's editing this podcast, to just go. Is there to, um, uh, Oliver Twist movie or something? Just this to put in, old, a, yeah. just to put in a line from the Artful Dodger, so that people can know, like what what your lines would have been. What you staring at? Been running away from the beak, I guess. The what? Now don't say you don't know what a beak is, Miss Flashmate. For your information, a beak's a magistrate. Consider yourself. Consider yourself one of the family. I'm talking to you. So strong. Is that one of the leads? Yeah. Okay. He's like the he's the chief pickpocket, pickpocket. of this gang of pickpockets. Oh, in the, okay, that's a cool one. So cool. But he's a kid. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah, like yeah. a master pickpocket. And you never got to. I never got to play. Never got to. Yeah.
and 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 at what point did you realize that uh, this it's becoming like famous now because the did your friends start saying to you like yes he, this was it that festival stuff or was it like tv uh, stuff you know robbie I really saw your talent was in those early roads, Squat and Ma- Mung. Squat and Marmot and then Mung was mind-blowingly good show, one-man show. But the first time that um, I realized people recognized him was in a mall in Joburg when they said, uh, there's Twucky, there's, Twucky, there's Twucky. And then I was known as Twucky's mom. <laughs> You know how frightening so that is? Because Twucky's mom apparently blew up in a Budavos factory or something. <laughs> and I, everybody said, there's Twucky's mom. And I was known as Twucky's mom. Well, can I ask you, because uh, I think the biggest sin a man could commit would be not watching a Kornayan Twucky show ever in his life. <laughs> Okay, means now if you haven't heard of Cornan Twaki, it's these two guys <laughs> out of a, a caravan park or out of a, a nuclear waste pit or, or, or something. And, and, and no one really knows what nationality they are. They, they Dutch or Vodafog, but that's what makes them so beautiful. And Rob plays this character called Twaki. People who are late is bullshit. 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 That's what it is. is bullshit. Bullshit. Uh, what do you mean? Why, if I'm on time, is it okay for you not to be on time? Why? What makes your time more valuable than my, my time? Huh? Tell me now. Tell me. Answer me. Why? Buy a house next to a church with a flipping clock and a bell. Buy a talking pig that can tell the time and tell you every half an hour what the time is. Buy a rooster what can cockle-doodle you out of your bed. Get a chicken rooster, asshole. Stop making your lateness make me more irritated because your lateness makes you more of an asshole, asshole. Bullshit. But I remember taking my now wife, Mika, she'd never seen Kornan Talkie. She'd known about them. We went to the festival. Luckily, you guys were doing it then after not doing it for a long time. And I said, okay, we have to go watch Kornan Talkie. And it like absolutely <laughs> blew her mind. Did you did you like it at first? Because I mean, that is I that is like it. really off the rails, crazy, crazy, crazy. Like, I, I actually am quite surprised that because I, at the Edinburgh Festival, there's crazy stuff like that. And often I watch those productions and I think this wouldn't work in South Africa because our audiences are quite conservative. And it's just so random almost that I I, I don't know. So I'm actually quite, it's actually quite a feather in our hat as South Africans that everyone embraced yeah. Kunan Twaki because it was so out there. Yeah, you would think that so. most people would just be like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, I wouldn't understand it. Yeah. I loved it. I thought it was hilarious, but I was terrified because I thought exactly what you, you thought. I thought, just making a fool of himself. You said to me, you said, Twaki, Twaki, listen to me, little Twaki. Little Twaki, come here today. You can do the dance bullshit, Twaki, because I know, Twaki, that I always get to do the dance bullshit. Now when I've got the bullshit, you say my bullshit is bullshit. That's all he's doing. Like, they, they, nobody's going to understand He's putting a humor. big dildo in his pants. Oh what was that? God. What is that thing you put in? Is that I didn't have one. That was, that's Cornet. 
He had, oh, yeah, he, he had her he appendage. <laughs> That's all natural. <laughs> <laughs> hey, not everyone embraced Conan and Twaki as well. Yeah. We had people who didn't. No, you got into trouble. The TV show, didn't they? Like, right had lots of them. complaints. Mm-hmm. No. Was there ever mem- members of the family? Because when I started stand-up, when I had my first TV appearance, it was like Com- Comedy Central, Barry Hilton and Friends. And mm-hmm. then I had a five-minute spot on there. Mm-hmm. And then... You know, there were like obviously some family members who sent my mom messages going, what is Skulky doing? Because, you know, they found the swearing very offensive. Uh, were they like family members or whatever calling you being like, what the hell, this Kornai thing when it was on TV? No one Was did. everyone very supportive? No, nobody did. I think they were too scared of me. Because mm. <laughs> they saw how much you loved it. I mean, no one was yeah, going to change your mind. And and I mean, some of his stuff was lovely. So maybe what we did is not take the conservative aunties to Kona and Twaki, but maybe took them to mine so we could go. <laughs> no, that's not true. There wasn't, I have no idea what they were saying yeah. around the bride, yeah. but never to me. The whole family being very supportive. No, they, if they, they don't understand. They normally say it to me, like, Cappy and Jeannie the other day, they're like, Oh, I hear you famous again, Rob. <laughs> well, like, namaste, but yeah, they're like, oh, I heard you famous again. I, I watched it; it wasn't really funny. <laughs> cool. <laughs> no, but of course, when you did Strictly Come Dancing, oh, that was, I didn't even know that. Yeah, it was a that was a special moment. That yeah, was very exciting. My, that was like my grand's favorite show. She loved that. That and Seven Alarm. Yes. Seven Alarm. Were you ever on Seven Alarm? Did you ever make it on? No, oh, God, that would have made I wish I could have been that guy in the background quipping a decky. Yeah. For, uh, just for my grant. I was once on Seven Alarm as myself, me and Tumi Muraki. There was a comedy gig oh, in the... Okay. And it was actually so funny. I have to tell this story quick. I don't, I don't think I've told this story, but... So, obviously, they built a storyline around this comedy gig. It's like these two comedians to me Muraki and Skolpa Sayna they're doing a gig and then the one character I think his name was Hendrik or Derek or something his friends dare him to do comedy that mm. night right <laughs> and he's also also wants to impress a girl who's mm. there so then we we go on and you know we get like normal laughs you know yeah. and obviously the, the audience are extras so they get briefed okay laugh you know even though we did our set a few yeah. times and then the whole storyline is that this guy goes on, he's very nervous and everyone's like, oh, how's this going to go? And he kills. And he goes on and he does like the stupidest jokes <laughs> and the audience are going, <laughs> <laughs> and I was sitting there thinking like, fuck, this, this makes everyone watching Simulon, which is like millions of people, mm. this makes stand up now looks so easy there's like does everything we work so hard for as comedians to 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 try and convince people it's not just talking cuck yeah it's an art form yeah, yeah. but now obviously it's like all fake and acting and he goes on and he's like yo no like i was on my track the other day and everyone's like <laughs> and i was like this is and then and then he's supposed to at some stage the camera Cuts to us and me and Tumi give have to give him like a thumbs up, not of approval, like well done, well done. Oh, that was so difficult oh, for no. me to do because I was like, this is not even good, and he's getting the, and now they putting that idea out there that anyone can just like go tell like a on stage and like wow, you can be a comedian. 
<laughs> but uh, when did the when did the stand up comedy start? I remember that was like two thousand and eleven. No, because I that was my first year at the festival, and then Rob was doing um, Rob Van Feren is Rob Van Feren, and that was your first stand up show. Yeah, I think that was two thousand and nine. I think it was two thousand and nine. Maybe you did it. That's again. when I started stand up. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. I was terrified of stand, the stand-up thing. Because he's not a character. Yes, I suppose so. But not only that, um, you know, I, I, I went to a number of stand-up shows yeah. uh, years ago with Mel, what was his name? Mel, Mel Miller. Mel Miller and all those guys. Joe Parker. Yes, but, and I always felt very anxious. Mm. Uh, that they were going to pick on you or what? No, 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 not at all. That they were going to fail. They were going to fail. And I'd sit there and I'd, oh, God, these poor guys. And I'd feel so anxious. Is that that watching never... a comedian fail is an anxiety. Yeah. Yes. And I, I was so, and I thought, God, I'm never going to be able to watch him because how am I going to get over this anxiety? Because it was very real. I felt so for those guys. It's such a high stakes environment. Yes, that I, you had to drag me to those stand-ups but then when i saw robbie and he was so relaxed i thought oh, no i can do this i can watch this show. god but you you were uh, you were there at that gig that i did it in musenberg at the station where i died so horribly obviously <clears throat> i was back in the days with ndemiso yeah when, when he was still living in cape town before we moved to Joburg. i blocked that out i got killed and i went out and just Jeez, but rob died. robin rob and i have had some deaths on the same nights together. together and one of my worst deaths was Rob did well but I had this idea in my head because Rob and I at some stage was were performing so much together that I'd like memorized that toenail <laughs> joke <laughs> and then at Ramfest I decided I said you know it's gonna be funny I'm gonna go do your gag I'm not gonna do my own material I'm gonna go and do the toenail oh, joke it's like a seven to ten minute bit that he knows off by heart and 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 Rob I remember his face being like, it was kind of like, yeah, dude, go for it. But I mean, you, you weren't like, I think that's a great idea. But maybe you were also like interested to see how, how's this going to go. That Ramfest gig was so hectic because do you remember the sound was in one place and the stage was in another and, there, and the heat yeah. was fucking intense. We had to try and, and like put guys are sound checking drums like behind us. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so we got to the, we'd done already done about three shows, I think through the course of the weekend and you were like, fuck it, I'm going to do you. Yeah, it was the your end and I was like, I, 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 I just wanted to like mess around. And, yeah. And uh, obviously like Rob's style of comedy is like, you have to commit to the gag. Like if you, the toenail, that's like, yeah. you have to you like have really to be, the be the toenail, you know. And um, people were just, they, they got what I was doing. It's not like they didn't get it. It was just cuck. You know, they were just like, why are you doing someone like, else's joke? You get one laugh. You died so badly with my material, but you did it word, word for word. For word. You did it pretty well. I did it perfectly. And it made me go, well, maybe it's, maybe the material's not funny at all. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you'd be getting sympathy laughs this whole time. Yeah, maybe you must just go up there and just do mom comedy. Oh, I think so. <laughs> and, and, and then, uh, Danny Judy, you started watching, um, Rob stand up and you like it now? Do you watch yes. his no, go to shows? I love it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. Oh my word! I was gonna try and get you to say something uh, no, bad about Rob, it. but now I, I've just realised the penny has dropped. You love everything he does. I love everything he does because 
I, I, I first knew Rob. Stupid ad, Rob. <laughs> I first what a useless mother I am. I can't even give you constructive criticism. I, I only know, well, I first knew Rob as a comedian because like when I entered the industry, he was like already established as a comedian and then only later started watching him in other, like mm. acting, you know. Not really realizing that he was actually an actor before mm. he was a comedian and all that stuff. But um, what 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 show that Rob's done has like st- stood out for you? What what thing has stood out for you as like what, one that you are particularly proud of? But first, a word from our sponsors. Now, Minta, before the break, I asked Tani Judy what stands out for her as some of Rob's best work. If it's not Namaste Bay or Kornay and Twaki, what is it? You know, there's so many moments that do stand out, but there's one very early in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he, might, he, he was still at Rhodes and it was the production Mung, which was his first one-man show. And was that funny or not? Um, there were parts that was funny, but it was deeply moving. Mm. It was incredible. And I think you've lost the script because you should resurrect that. Yeah, I have. It's totally oh, awesome. It's an incredible storyline. <laughs> but for that show, what happened is Robbie has got a spe- special voice that he uses on me when the shit is about to hit the fan. <laughs> so he normally says, I say, hi, Robbie. He says, Mom. Nothing. He Okay. And I got that phone call one day in Grahamstown. I was on my way to, to Mung and I was picking my daughter up with some of her friends and I got this phone call. Mum! And I just put my foot in the accelerator because I know now I must get to my son. I don't know what's wrong, but I feel there's something wrong. They're still trying, they're running up to try and get in the car. I eventually get them in. Off we go and, and he's talking to me against the law. I was listening to my cell phone. Mom, um, I was on my way to the, the, the theatre and my mum's soundtrack was on the roof of my car and he drove off and the soundtrack, he has no idea where it is. He says, I'm here and I don't have a soundtrack. And my spoons. I'd lost my spoons as well. Oh, God. I mean, he'd lost. This is it. I have two props in the show with two spoons, a tablespoon and a teaspoon. And I've lost my spoons. <laughs> And he and lost the flippin' soundtrack, which was an incredible soundtrack. And the the play depended so much on that soundtrack. Oh, no. It was incredible. So okay. did you do it without the soundtrack? Did it without the soundtrack. And I said to uh, Josh, I said, where's my son? He says, looked at me like, calm down, old lady. Yeah. He's in the, he's in the back room preparing like a professional. I thought, okay, you're going to shut up. <laughs> I went in all these flipping hundreds of people. It was a big hall too. He did that show and he used his voice and sounds to mimic the soundtrack. He got a standing ovation. I could not believe it. That day I realized my son is very talented. What for you, Rob, is like something that like stands out in your career as like a wow moment? Mm. Um, I, I think for me, it's like, like Maki was saying, Mom, there's like different points that were for me were kind of milestones, definitely going to the festival uh, in high school 
then writing my first show after not being cast, then that early period of writing physical comedy, fantasy, mm-hmm. multiple characterization stuff, Corner and Twacky happening and changing everything. Uh, and then slowly doing like TV stuff in between, you know, the um, S has got talent and um, mm. uh, uh, Strictly Come Dancing, which was insane. And then l- later on in my career, the the more kind of serious theatre stuff is, uh, I've mm. had a lovely milestones. Chris, working with Christian on, on The Doll's House was amazing. Mm. Um, working with Sylvain strike on Beckett's Endgame with Andrew Buckland. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sally Philand and Anthony Kellerman was like it a was incredible productionist thing for me. And then, you know, writing plays also Three Little Pigs with uh, with Albert Pretorius and James Cairns and Tara Notcutt and that toured internationally. Yeah. It went to Edinburgh and like we got five-star reviews. It was insane. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then now, now, now at this stage, what's what's happening, which I'm really, really enjoying, is m- more film stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, at, and weirdly enough, because of pandemic and lockdown, because live stuff shot that shut down, yeah, I was suddenly more available for film work, and I was auditioning more, and my calendar was open, and I was actually I realized I was completely burnt out from the the live mm-hmm. stuff, and uh, started getting more film work. Realized, oh, that's where I'm kind of happiest at the moment. Yeah. And then, yeah, landed some really cool parts. I played the serial killer in Slumber Party Massacre. Yeah, which is I just crazy I, I, uh, like uh, a horror movie, horror comedy, which has done really, really well. And it's like yeah. picked up this like fan base all over the world, which is cool. Um, uh, I've done some stuff on Netflix now. I did uh, that series Ludic with um, yeah. Arnold Fosler, which was absolutely amazing. And that part for me was huge it was like a, that's a, i think my biggest part that i've done on camera from a dramatic point of view it was yeah. like the character arc there was insane um yeah and i've got some another film coming out with netflix soon and a couple of projects lined up next year so that's like yeah I'm, I, it's all these different things yeah i'm really glad that i get to do all the different things and i'm yeah. still doing a little bit of everything I asked you what stands out and you just listed everything you've ever done. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's not everything I've ever done, Scott. Pretty much. I didn't even mention stand-up. Everything except throwing your brother with cow shit. <laughs> I wanted to ask because Rob mentioned at the beginning um, about like, you 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 on a are you on a health journey at the moment, Rob? Or like you, you said in your new show, you talk about ayahuasca, you're doing ayahuasca. Um, yeah, I guess, definitely, uh, health, wellness, fitness, trying to survive and, uh, uh, cope with trauma, you know? What trauma? The trauma of living, of our, of our lives. Your whole life. Yeah, and, uh, trying to get to a point where I have more clarity, I think, or, uh, yeah, I don't know. Where where did where did you go do the ayahuasca? Uh, in uh, in the forest. It's always in the forest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one thing that terrified me. Tilbach. Eh? Uh, I, I wanna I wanna ask you about it because I mean, uh, because Jack Farrow also on the podcast spoke about mm. go doing this. Was, 
burnt out and it's like a retreat and it's you're actually quite medical mm-hmm. but i mean my mom is terrified of drugs like she's always like warned me like don't do drugs and she sees my mom's one of those moms who like she doesn't know drugs so she's like weed and heroin is the same thing for mm-hmm. her you know like if i smoke a joint i might as well be injecting you're heroin injecting, you know <laughs> So she's so terrified of drugs. If I had to tell my mom I'm going to Tolbach to, to ayahuasca and it makes you see things, oh my word, she would freak out. But where do you stand with all that kind of hallucinogenic? Yeah. Uh, you know. Do you see it as drugs? Because um, I'm quite conservative. Uh, I think I see it as drugs. Is it drugs? It's drugs. It's drugs. <laughs> drugs is drugs. Drugs is drugs, man. <laughs> I agree with you. Drugs is drugs. But they're just trying to some, just, be, just because someone in tie-dye gives it to you doesn't mean it's not drugs anymore. <laughs> yeah, and I thought to myself when I heard this story, no couple of drugs, but... Yeah, they're going to drugs in the boat. And now they talk that this is going to heal them. And I think, yeah, and then, and then next week it's heroin. Heroin? Heroin. But, you know, I'm slowly learning because we have been um, conditioned Yeah. To believe that marijuana is a gateway drug and if you have a joint you're going to end up on the streets uh, wrapped in rags. So we are that's what we are it's that's what it's been told to us. Mm. I especially your generation. Yes, but I've since realized that there's a whole it, it's what we were told isn't true. Mm. It isn't true. That marijuana is great. Oh, 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 it is, and it's just a matter of time before Rob ends up on the street exactly. in rags. Exactly. <laughs> and then what am I going to do? Then I'm going to. You won't even have a. Then you're really going to get. Then you're really going to get the mom. Yeah. The phone call. Yeah. Look. Um. Can I just say, as far as ayahuasca is concerned, for yes. any of your listeners, yes, ayahuasca is not a recreational. Drag. Fun time drug situation. It is a nightmare. It is very, very, very intense. Mm. And you you cannot c- go into that kind of scenario with you know, it's not with a, the sense it's not fun. I do I do know that it's not you don't take it at a club. No. <laughs> it's not a club drug. No, no, no. It's a whole thing that you gotta do and it can be incredibly terrifying. Uh my first experience was utterly Terrifying. Uh, so you've done it more than once. I did it twice. You see, he's you becoming see. addicted. He did it yeah. once, and then he went back for more. <laughs> six, <laughs> six, six to eight months later, it was it, uh, utterly and terrifying. And did it out, dude? Uh, did did did, did, did uh, you deal with stuff? Because J- Jack Barrow said, he, you know, if you go listen to that episode, means huh? um, <laughs> you. He, he said, you know, like it opens your eyes, you. Suddenly, it's like you get a lot of truth and all that stuff. It's very, very intense, and it, uh, it, it, I, I wouldn't recommend it to people. Like unless you feel a very, very strong urge and desire to do this thing, but then do it the right way. Be very, very careful with it. For me, the first experience was like I thought uh, I've broken my brain. Oh, uh, it's this was a Not bad. Not gonna write a joke again. Yeah. Yeah. And then I slept, went to sleep, and then I woke up and I felt amazing, and I had this lightness and a clarity and I had a sense the, I think my biggest takeaway from it was compassion I had a lot of a really deep felt sense of compassion for myself and for everyone else around me and that feeling was incredibly comforting and incredibly cathartic and it stayed with me 
f- literally for like six to eight months. And then I did another They just didn't give a shit again. <laughs> <laughs> no, and then I had another ceremony. It was a lot lighter experience. It yeah. wasn't quite as intense, but I had that same feeling of, and I still f- have that feeling of, yeah, a different sense of compassion for for myself and then everything around me. That was my big takeaway from it. But I would not recommend it as a as a thing. And it is in my mind not a drug. It's like a yeah. medicine that is very 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 powerful and needs to be treated with now does it rewire respect. your brain because i've heard talk about that because maybe i need my brain well i think it did rewire my brain a little bit in the, in a good way mm. um But I actually do want to tell a story um i did i did party a little bit with you rob i you you'll remember this but um the first time I met Rob, mm-hmm. we got booked for a gig in Langebaan. And the person who booked us, uh, I was first year, so I didn't have a car then yet. Um, or it was in Joburg, but we weren't allowed, first years weren't allowed to park at rest. So I didn't have a car in Cape Town. And then they said, oh, well, Rob von Furen is the headliner. He'll pick you up. And I was like telling everyone, like, Rob von Furen is picking me up. Rob von Furen is picking me up. <laughs> like, couldn't talk, couldn't talk. And everyone in the res is kind of like high-fiving me. Wow, man, that's so cool. <laughs> And he comes to pick me up from Rez in a Nissan Micra. <laughs> and I was like, is this guy poor? Like, <laughs> for, this is like Rob from Firen. Like, he's a legend. What is this little Micra about? Why does he drive this car? And then, like, we drive in the Micra. And then we did the gig. Gig was quite nice, you know. And it was like at Club Mykonos, I think. And then the next morning, Rob was in the shower. And I, I'm not a weed smoker. Uh you know, like I have done a puff here and there, but also at university, I in very early in university, I had terrible greenies the one time. This guy gave us a joint mm-hmm. in the res and he said, here's a present. And then I was so stressed that they were going to come search our room, do a random search and find this joint that I would get kicked out. So one night I told my friend, like we, my roommate, we have to smoke this joint. I want to get rid of it. <laughs> and then he, as I lit it, he said, I don't want to smoke anymore. So I was like, well, this joint is going. And then I smoked this whole fat joint by myself and we went to Tin Roof and I threw up all over the dance floor. But anyway, so then I was like, oh, no, that kind of put me off weed. But then like Rob was in the shower and he said, Skulk, like from the shower, shouts, Skulk, there's a little tin on the the, um, bed and help yourself if you want. Go open this tin. And it's like these tiny, like thin, perfectly rolled joints. Do you remember this? This perfectly, perfectly. He's making old. it up, Rob. I don't believe it. Well, bouncing me in front of my mother. I don't, great. but she knows the the, the drugs. There's <laughs> these perfectly rolled joints, and 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 I was like, well, I can't like give up, miss the opportunity to mm. like smoke a joint with Rob and Fury, even though I'm not really smoking with him because he's in the shower. Mm. And I like light this joint, and I, I like smoke it, but it was just the perfect. It was just like it didn't actually. I wasn't like high, mm. you know. It was just like that sort of little. Then I understood why people do it. If you just do it a little bit, mm. then it's lacquer. And everything in moderation. Yeah. And then when we drove back, that was like the most fun. Like, remember how we laughed? We like, because we were. Um, I don't know how we laughed. Because we. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Don't ruin the dream that I this beautiful experience that I had, Rob. What did we laugh about? Because you had a joke about the Olympic Games. And then. Uh, yes. And then we were talking, but it was a new gag. And then we like kind of fleshing it out and we were just like saying silly shit but a lot of that stuff that we said in the car 
then you incorporate yes. it into the game. Jan van der Puppenflam. Jan, Jan van der Puppenflam. Yeah, the Dutch, the Dutch guy. The Dutch oh power walker. Yes. I remember that. Because you said the 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 friction, the friction creates like a like a fire <laughs> be, between a power walker's bam, but and then you were like, oh, the Dutch athlete, athlete Jan van der Puppenflam. <laughs> <laughs> that was so much fun. Well. Thank you very much. Auntie Debbie. Auntie Debbie. I was going to make that joke, but you were, you one step ahead. <laughs> you beat him to it. Yeah. Tani Judy, thank you so much. And I'm going to keep in every time I call you um, Tani Debbie, because that's going to be my punishment that people must know that I... If you don't do the next interview and call the next mom... Tani Judy, Judy I will do that just, just, to, do that. just, to, just to make up. <laughs> I'm interviewing um, Nick Rabinovitz's mom next week. Oh. Isn't she Debbie? No, 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 that's his wife. Um, Mensa, I think the best thing to do normally with, with anyone I have on the podcast is just follow them on social media. That's where we advertise our live shows. That's where we show you, say what we've done. That's where Rob posts trailers to projects. So if you follow him on social media, you'll be up to date with everything he does. But we've already spoken about Rob too much in this podcast. Tony Judy, star of the show. Thank you for raising Rob. Thank you for... It's a pleasure. Thank you for just making him. And there you have it, man. So that's all we have time for for today. I hope you found your inner child in the sanctum of our conversational embrace with Rob and his mom. And I'll see you next week as we purify our chakras in another chat with another Tani. Your Mom with Skulk is a Telltale Media production and hosted by me, Skulk Beside Note. And if you haven't already, by this stage, so far deep into the season, please subscribe and rate this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. Thanks in advance and tata for now.